The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The word of the Lord. A reading from James. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to, this, to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? 
Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, and yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. There is, perhaps for me, no more interesting figure in all of Scripture than John the Baptist. Perhaps because John is a bit of a mystery to me. Now you might find that strange that I call him mysterious. I find that most Christians feel like they have a strong handle on who the John the Baptist was. But the truth is, there are relatively few passages in Scripture that deal with the man. What we do have are moments from his life, in a particular part of his life, impinging upon the story of Jesus. And every time the name of John the Baptist is mentioned, you can feel the significance behind the name. As if the weight of the man's character shines through 2,000 years later. But the content of that character, what he was really like, is far removed from us. What glimpses we get are so contextualized, so dominated by particular events... They can't tell us much about who he was day in and day out. Modern theology tells us that the relationship between Jesus and John was probably closer than what we get in the Gospels. That John was probably Jesus' mentor and teacher. That is because the earliest of the Gospels is the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Mark, there is no birth narrative, no manger, No wise men, just a rapid series of events that begins the story. And it starts with John's arrival in Israel, moves quickly to Jesus' baptism, John's arrest, and then the beginning of Jesus' ministry, indicating an unbroken line between the two men. But we don't know what their relationship was like any more than we know much about John's character. What we do know that he lived in the wilderness, that he wore camel hair, that he ate locusts and honey, that he preached repentance in the coming kingdom of God, and that he saw his ministry as a preparation for someone else. And we also know that Jesus contrasted his own exuberant lifestyle for the more stoic and ascetic approach of John. And it is for that reason, perhaps, And most Christians would find it strange that we talk about John the Baptist on a Sunday when we're supposed to be talking about joy. I do not think most Christians would equate John the Baptist with joy. But John had one character trait that shines through. 
And it is a character trait that is important to cultivate if you are also going to cultivate a life of joy. And that is that John knew how to wait upon God. To set the timing of his life in the context of God's timing. He saw his life as a preparation for someone else. He saw himself as a link in a chain, and he fully embraced that role as essential to who he was. And that's really tough. None of us starts projects we want someone else to finish. None of us does work we want someone else to get credit for. We work for justice and truth and peace and love to see those things accomplished in our own lifetime, and if possible, by our own hands. The truth is, is that human life is short and history is long and God's activity is on a historical scale. And whatever work we are given to do is but a tiny corner, a small piece of a greater whole. Every life is necessarily an unfinished project. And overcoming our frustration at that fact is important if we're going to learn to do the work it has given us to do with joy. John embraced his story as really part of a larger story. And it is in the context of that kind of embrace that I think we have to understand the gospel reading from today. You see, I think John can't believe his luck. He can't believe that he would be lucky enough to meet the person who is going to continue and even finish the work that he started. I think he sends those disciples to Jesus because he wants permission to finally get excited. He wants to know if he was patient enough. See how different that is from the way we normally live? Most of us would be worried that we're not out there doing the work with Jesus, getting the credit alongside him. But John just wants to know if he really got to pass the torch to the last guy in the line. And Jesus' initial words to John's disciples are rather flippant. I mean, all the work he lists going on in his ministry, certainly that stuff went on in John's ministry too. But think about his words to the crowd where he compares John to the one who will prepare the way. Now in that instance, John, Jesus is talking about John's preparation for him, preparing his way. But in the original prophetic passage, that is about someone preparing the way for the Lord. And Jesus actually quotes it that way earlier in Matthew. What, John is, what Jesus is doing is subtly letting John know who he really is. That he's the presence of God. He's saying, in essence, to John, that little bit of work you did, that link you added to the chain, it prepared the way not just for another person to finish your work, but for God to do God's work. You were preparing the way for the Lord. Can you imagine... The unmitigated joy that John must have felt in that darkest of places when he heard those words. 
When you receive news like that, it's like a desert, long waiting for rain, finally getting water. We can all get a glimpse of that. We've had moments when we hear just how well things are going, and we feel God's grace. But the joy John knew is a joy that can only be known by a person who has learned to wait on God. A person who has accepted that their life is not about themselves. And there is an important message for us. When we give up the need to finish the work ourselves, when we give up the need to make our projects about our own lives and to realize that every human life is ultimately about something bigger, when we embrace our place as a part of a whole, and don't demand that the work is completed by us, we may find that the work is completed by God. That the way we were preparing was the way for the Lord. And as much as it's, as good as it feels to finish your own projects, there is no greater joy than knowing that your life is ultimately about the eternal, about the divine, that God is going to do your, use your work to do something bigger than you could have ever imagined. But the truth is, is be, letting go of the need, of the frustration of having our lives be about ourselves is really hard. It's hard to place our human time in the context of God's time. Because like I said, we don't really start projects expecting or wanting someone else to finish. But my prayer is that we learn to give up a little bit of the self. And we learn to give up the need to make our lives about ourselves. And that we learn to wait on what God has in store. That we learn the patience that waits on the Lord. The patience that James talked about. And through that patience, joy. Amen.